for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks that you are the real thing. We give you thanks that you are the full substance of everything you have promised and that your presence is the full reality of the things that exist, Lord. We pray that you would bless us this morning as we understand how you want us to live even in the midst of a really twisted mindset, even in the midst of a, a, of a generation that has decided to live for fantasy rather than for reality. Give us a heart for you, O oh God. Give us a heart to understand your word. Fill us with your spirit because the hope of this world is the church. The hope of this world is that people that live reality, confront reality, overcome reality, have forsaken fantasy and understand that you, Father God, have promised all the things that you have said in your word and they are yes and amen, that the heavens and the earth will pass away, but what you have written in your word, what is there for us, will not pass away. Bless your word and prosper it in the hearts of your people and let this message go to the whole world as a light that shines in darkness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As we get prepared today, um, I, have, I had first named this message the Lord gave me, World-Changing Consequences, until yesterday I was in the car and I asked somebody um, to give me uh, a, an illustration and, and, and it came out, the, the word fantasy came out, so I decided to name it World-Changing uh, Fantasy, A Life With No Consequences. Um, we live for fantasy in many realms. We grew up going to fantasy land in Walt Disney. Uh, we grew up in our brain uh, uh, flirting with fantasy. I don't know if you've ever done this. Uh, you ever had a dream that you're just jumping off a roof and then you're there and then you, you start fl- and you, you're, you're, you, you don't fall. Or you're in the water and you're swimming down there with the whales and the dolphins and you're having a fantasy or you're out in space and you don't have an astronaut suit. All these things that come to mind. But I want you to replace the word fantasy with another word named deception. And say fantasy is a deception. Um, What a man does entertaining himself with the fantasy of pornography and having sexual fantasy is a deception. It's a lie. And, and I thank God for the day that uh, I stopped being fanciful. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you what, that in the whole Bible, I think there's only one time that there's a reference to the word fantasy, and it's, it's interpreted an empty hope, uh, a false promise. And so when we're talking about a world-changing fantasy, we're talking about those people that want to live in the realm of non-reality. And, you know, in these matters, you, you grow. You don't always know the same thing. So when I saw Jesus say these words, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I was like, wow, that's a philosophical reality. Wow, he's the way, he's the truth, he's... He's the life, and, and, and I would, you know, the poetic, they're philo- philosophical words, but I want you, I want to challenge you that now it's been 28 years, so now I understand what he was telling me at the beginning. Say with me, the way. You know what's the opposite of not being on the way? You're lost. 
I want to tell you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not following Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is not a reality in your life, you are lost. Doesn't matter what you think, you are. You're, you're living a fantasy. You're living a non-reality, a false hope. So then the next word he says, I am the way, and if you're not in Jesus, you're lost. I am the truth. Can you say the opposite of a truth is a lie? So you're not only lost, you're living a lie. And you could, you could sing and you could dance and you can think yourself into your fantasy land. But the reality is, everything that you live is non-existence. It's a big lie. And then finally, he says, I am the life. And so I didn't understand what this meant, but I do understand today what the opposite of life is, which is death. Now, if you're outside of Jesus Christ and you think, that you are found, that you're living truth, that you have life, you are only lost in lies and headed for death. Isn't that powerful? And, and this is not only for us that are in the house of God understanding these things. This is for the entire world. They are living a world-changing fantasy. What is a world-changing fantasy? A life with no consequences. They think that the nothing is going to happen the way the Bible says it's going to happen. And Jesus was emphatic to say, I am the way. If you come to me, you will stop being lost. I thank God I came to Jesus. I, can't, I thank God that, I, that He found me and He's put me on His way. And He set out, a. Paul says, He's, he's put before me a racetrack and I can live life and I know that it's going according to sound reasoning, not fanciful thoughts that are lost, lies, and filled with destruction and death. So in this regard, we, we know that this is we know that this is deception when we talk about fantasy. I, I grew up in in life, uh, I don't know if, if you're old enough to remember this, but there was a program called Fantasy Island every Friday night, and, and we would line up right, and we wanted to see everybody's fantasy. And so Tattoo, which was not a bodily marking, but a little midget came out, and then he would go, the plane, the plane. And it was all these people flying into this island. And then, uh, I forgot what the other guy's name was. Um, I'm going to need another mic prop possibly here. He would come out and, and he would deal with people and confront them with their fantasies. And I want to tell you first and foremost, the only reality you have in life is that reality that you're led by in Christ. That is the fulfillment. Bring, my, bring me a, a mic. <clears throat> the only reality that you will have in life is that reality that comes through this most amazing person named Jesus Christ. Everything else that you think you're living is just you being more, hello? You being more lost in the land of lies headed for incredible destruction. And so again, we, we're not too spiritually minded to understand that a world-changing fantasy in a life without consequence. I want to challenge you with that word up there that's called consequences. Consequences comes from two words, with sequence. Things that follow in line. Things that are a result of what I have done. Things that are, that are due to the results of my 
existence. And so we have some people, and I, I know that I was like this at the beginning. Everything bad in my life was taking place because of chance. Oops, oops, look, look what happened. And, and I'm in the midst of, of a mess. And I look over to people's life, and they're in the midst of a mess, a divorce, a lost their business, a, a mess, a health issue. But Proverbs 26, verse 2 says, Just like when a bird is not flying gracefully, what was a bird meant to do? A bird was meant to fly without effort. He's just gracefully doing what he's called. He says, a fluttering sparrow, like a flying swallow, a curse does not come without its intended purpose. The results, the consequences that occur are not just out of chance and out of craziness. And so you get bitter at life. Why is life going so bad for me? Listen to me, my friend. Because you're living a fantasy. You're outside of Christ. You're outside of being grounded in a God who says that he who would be faithful in the small things, I will put in the much. Everything a man sows, that, will he, that is what he reaps. Why have I had 50 million marriages? Because you have never built a home like the Bible says you build a home. How could you even think it was going to last? How did you even think it was going to uh, be a blessing to your children and grandchildren? You had no clue how to build a home, how to build a family, how to cause the blessings. So we're living in a life um, where people think they could do whatever they want. They could come, they can go, and there is no result. So this is the concept of fantasy in our generation. I could do whatever I want and everything's going to be okay. I could live life however I want. It doesn't matter how many times I go to church or don't go to church. It doesn't make a difference. I could be a wise or a fool, and I'm still going to get the same lot. I could walk in honor or dishonor, and I'm still going to get the result. I could live according to truth or even live according to lies, and I'll be okay. I don't even have to concern myself with distinguishing between what's true and what's a lie because it doesn't matter. And you know what that's called? Fantasy. I could be obedient or disobedient. It's going to go well with me. There's no consequences. You know what that's called? A world-changing fantasy. A hope without promise. An empty reality. It's, a, it's something that, that is never going to come your way. It continues to say there's no difference between um, wrong and right. There's no difference between grace and the law. There's no difference between darkness and light. There's no difference between rebellion and repentance. I could walk in rebellion or I can repent and it's going to go well with me. Even this last week, a, a gentleman that is well-versed in biblical understanding and, and, and well-versed in walking, he says, I'm, I'm contradicting everything the Bible says about submission to authority, but God has given me peace, so I'll be okay. No, you're not going to be okay. That's your fantasy. That is your hopeless reality. And so God comes into our lives, and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And through biblical instruction, admonition, and rebuke, through correction, he grabs a foolish man like me that once was lost and blind and cursed, and he transfers us over from fantasy to reality, to the way. 
to the truth, to the life, to wisdom, to honor, to obedience, to reward, to repentance. Aren't those powerful realities? And God is expecting us not to make light of them. He wants to turn us from a foolish mindset. Do you even care that you're walking like a fool? Do you even know that the Bible says that a fool mocks correction? A fool could care less about wisdom. He has no appetite for it. He doesn't want things to come out. And so God is turning us from foolishness to wisdom through his word. In Psalm 19, he says he makes the foolish man wise. He turns us from a, lie, a life of lies to a life of truth, a life from doing things wrong to doing things right. We learn the difference between walking in dishonor by beginning to honor and knowing who that honor is directed to and towards. He pulls us out of darkness and distinguishes us. And he says, walk in the light. Come to truth. Come to the way. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says that the consequences of those who have good for bad and light for darkness and sweet for bitter... Woe to those who call evil things good and those who consider serving the Lord and being faithful to God an evil thing. Oh, that's a wrong thing. It's going to take my time. But you're spending endless amounts of times for that which is a fantasy, for that which has no promise, for that that has put you on the road to being lost, to being full of lies and deception and headed for great destruction. Who put... Uh, woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness. I had a, a woman that would go to nightclubs every weekend. You, you know what a nightclub, those of you still remember what a nightclub. Boom, chicka, boom, boom, boom. And the walls are vibrating. She walks in the house of God and she says, it's too loud in here. It's too loud in here. No, no, no. Listen, the demons in you don't want to hear what's pumping in this place. You want to be in a place full of fanciful destruction, and you can't tell. Who put bitter things for sweet and call the sweet things bitter. Ooh, you have a pastor. Ooh, you have a church. Ooh, you go to youth group. They have those sweet things as bitter. And this is the life we're living now. And it's getting worse and worse. You want to know why? Because even in the house of God, those that were raised up in the ways of the Lord choose fantasy over reality. Choose falsehood over truth. I, I try and meet, and, and often I meet with several Christians because, you know, we're not know-it-alls in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you're contradicting a hundred Christians, if you're contradicting baby Christians that says, uh, I, I think you're not supposed to do that. And you go, well, you know, me and God have a special relationship. I can rebel, I can disobey, and I have peace. Fantasy, deception, destruction. Not because I say so. Not because I say so. In fact, I'm accused often not of not saying my own words. Hey, why don't you tell us what you think? I don't think anything good. I got to tell you what God thinks. I got to make sure you get God's message. Hey, uh, the only thing you know how to do is read that book. It's a good book. It's full of truth. It's full of light. 
It's full of good things, of blessings. You want to surround yourself with enough lies, enough illusions, enough deceptions. Guess what? God will give you up to what you want. God will give you up to your fancy, to the fruit of your fancy. And it's crazy as we see the continual looking for this. I'm going to tell you something that when our hearts have hardened to the point of walking without concern for reality, according to Scripture, according to God, it's not going to happen to me. When your heart has hardened to the point where you says, I, this, is not, this doesn't fi- define what I'm going through. I had a pastor not um, too long ago sit down in front of me and I said, Pastor, I'm really concerned about my life and what I'm doing and the decisions I'm making. And you know what he says? Hey, he says, don't worry. God is not so serious. The devil is not so bad. And everything is not going to be picture perfect. Listen to me. I don't want to be around any Christian, any person who calls himself a Christian who does not take the word of God serious. Don't want to be around any person like that because of the incredible consequences that befall those who have chosen fantasy. I've seen it time and time again. Devastating. We just had a young man here in our church two years ago pass away. 34 years old, because he thought that life was a joke. He thought he could play around. He thought he could goof off. An elder of this church called him, and he says, this is the last call, and he didn't think it was. He didn't think it was. In a powerful way that God warns us, and warns us time and time again. A a young woman who has a 16-year-old daughter, and the daughter is picked as homecoming queen or the prom queen, and she goes out, and that night there's an accident. The car starts flipping. The girl loses her legs and bleeds to death in her mother's arms. This is a, a disgusting reality. And so they call me the next morning. They call me the next morning. I show up at the woman's house, and all the relatives are there. And it's 9 o'clock in the morning. The accident occurred at 10 o'clock the previous night. They didn't sleep all night. And I got there at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And when I walk into the house, the mom is saying, Lord, why didn't you give me another chance? Lord, why didn't you give me another chance? Lord, why didn't you give me another chance? And I was, I was mesmerized by this woman and, and, and she was stuck on, why didn't God give her another opportunity? It must have been that the Lord had been calling her. It must have been that the Lord had placed warning after warning after warning. She did not heed any of the warnings. She did not walk in the fear of God. She continued in her fancy. And you know something, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11 says like this. It says, when a man does not receive the consequences of his conduct, he continues to go forward in the same direction. Verse 11. Because the sentence against evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the Son of Man are fully set to continue doing evil. You know, in the old days, if you were a rebellious son, you got stoned to death right there. Nowadays, we could be rebellious, we could be rebellious, we could be rebellious, we could be rebellious, and we even carry it as a badge of honor. I do what I want, when I want, where I want, and there will be no consequences. My friend, you are in a fantasy world. You are walking super immature. You cannot do in this world as you please. 
God has established time and season under the sun in all things. And he expects you to have a heart and an ear for wisdom. To desire truth in your innermost being. That's what the Bible says. God wants you to love truth. That when you're put with a lie and a truth, you do not wait two seconds to come and get truth. When, when there's a, an ability to find your way, you don't want to be lost. When you want, when there's life to be found, that you choose it today. Choose life, he says, that you may live and your children after you. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, be blessed. But because God delays the sentence in his mercy and in his patience and in his long suffering, we lead ourselves to believe everything's okay. And that's what happens in 2 Peter chapter 3, I believe, where they say like this. They say, nothing's going to happen. Things are always the same. 2 Peter 3, 3. He says the last days will be marked and highlighted by mockers who will come. What does a mocker do? Mocks. He will come making fun of what God is saying. Knowing this first, that mockers, scoffers, those that laugh, will come in the last days walking according to their own. The word lust has nothing to do with sexuality. Say with me, selfishness. That's what a mocker does. Me, myself, and I. What I think, what I know, what I will. And, and, and listen to me. The earth is filled with mockers in our day. Filled with men. The greatest uh, definition of a mocker is found in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 12. It says that a mocker hates those who correct him. He cannot stand to be told that what he's doing is wrong. Listen, a wise man will kiss you on the forehead if you tell him, if somebody tells him that what he's doing is a mistake. Because a wise man doesn't want to live doing mistakes. He doesn't want to commit error. So it says, a mocker does not love one who corrects them. You could tell a mocker. A mocker doesn't want to come near somebody who's going to tell them you're about to mess up. And then it says, he will not keep company with the wise. Why? Because a wise man does love correction. Let's go find out how to do it right. Let's go get instructed. Let's go be led so that what we do right comes out right. A mocker is not interested in that. He does not love those who correct him, and he will not go near the house of a wise. And so we know that the last days is being filled with people that could care less about God's instruction. 2 Peter 3, uh, verse 4 says, They will say, where is God's promise? We've been living like this for a long time, and everything goes on just like it did the first day of creation. Verse 5, they deliberately forget that God is a God who destroys the world under the great flood. I, I, I wish we would have had, a, a, since we have a beautiful screen here, I wish we would have had a, a snapshot, maybe I would say uh, five, ten minutes of seeing the, the Noah's flood. Seeing those men that despise the counsel of a preacher. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Listen to me. If you have a preacher of righteousness in your life, you better give glory to God. 
You better give glory to God that somebody is proclaiming the truth of God into your heart. If you consider that a, a pestilence, if you consider that a curse, if you consider that something that sets you back, you are a poor soul. Because God is faithful to wake you up out of your fantasy. And not put you to sleep playing a nice little song tickling your ears, telling you what you want to hear. Everything's okay. There is no hell. Sin is normal. We're all going to continue to sin. There's nothing with regards to wisdom. There's nothing with regards to righteousness. I'm 44 years old. And last night I was with my nephew who's about 10. And, and he says, where are you going tonight? I said, I invited my mom and dad to dinner. He says, why'd you do that? Because I, I know the promise that there is by those who honor mom and dad. Everything will go well with them and they'll live a long life. And I'm still living according to that truth. I still want the word of God to come upon me. I believe the word's promises. I believe in the blessings of God. I don't want to be in a place where I don't care if I disobey my parents. I don't care if I dishonor. Listen to me. You are living a fantasy. Because that was the first thing the Lord told me. I said, Lord, why should I honor my mom and dad? He says, so everything will go well with you and you'll live a long life. And I said, and what if I don't? Well, everything is going to really stink and you're going to die soon and young. I said, I'll take the first option. I'll take the first option. I want to learn how to honor somebody I don't know how to honor. I want to respect somebody I don't know how to respect. I want to live the life of blessing. I want to live the life of reality. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, In the last days there will be perilous times, stressful times, deep-seated uh, twisted, upside-down situations. Why? Because men will be selfish. They'll live in their fantasy. Verse 2. They will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. Let me tell you something. Money will never help you like God will help you. I love what Pastor Morris said two weeks ago. He says, nobody in the Bible did Jesus say all you need is more money. Money doesn't fix problems. God fixes problems. God brings reality where there's your fantasy thinking that money is going to help you. Money has never helped anybody. The men with a lot of money have committed suicide, have decided to take the way of death and destruction, and were just as lost. And so here it is. They're boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. It does matter if you're obedient or disobedient to parents. It does matter if you're obedient or disobedient to your pastors. It does matter if you belong to a church that is not going to be telling you what you want to hear, but tells you what God wants you to hear. God wants the consequences to come upon you as you stop living a fantasy world. A person is unable to move by instruction. He's doomed for the consequences of his non-choice. I love when I read Romans 2.13. For it is not those who hear the law who come under God's blessing. You could hear me all day today. If you don't make a change in what you're doing, it profits you nothing. You just heard it. Get that, get that in our hearts this morning. What I'm saying this morning benefits you not just to hear it. It's when you do something about what you're hearing. And so Paul writes, For not the hearers of the law are made right in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be made right. It's those who live the gospel. 
It's those who love truth. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not sadden the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm really overwhelmed by the amount of Christians that trample the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen, way before your parents told you something, way before the pastor told you, way before a preacher, a crusade, a Bible study, the Holy Spirit of God is moving upon your heart. Why aren't you paying attention? Why aren't you listening to the Spirit of God? The Bible says those that insult the Spirit of grace will not go unpunished. When you sadden the Spirit of God. And he says, no! And you continue to walk louder and louder. Isaiah 63 verse 10. It says this, they rebelled in their hearts. They rebelled in their hearts. They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So what does God do when you rebel and when you grieve the Spirit of God? In Ephesians, it's not telling you don't grieve it because he's going to go cry in a corner. Holy Spirit's not going to go cry in some little dark place because you won't listen to it. He will report back to God and say, God, he has decided not to listen. So what does God do? So he turned himself against his own people as an enemy and he fought against them. You don't want to fight God. You don't want to come against God. I don't want to come against God. I'm telling you right now. I want to listen. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. Lord, I'm, you know, I, my dad was a disciplinarian. Thank God. Thank God for disciplinarian dads. And when my dad would say something, I was like, well, you know. And then he says, I, I said, I said, I'm going. I'm going. I'm, I'm making efforts. I'm going this direction. I, I don't want to have the wrath of dad on me. You tell God, God, I'm not there yet, but I'm going. God, I'm, I'm trying. I want to. I'm listening to you. I'm not going to turn my heart and harden it. I'm not going to act like a fool. Powerful things of God in our lives. And praise God for this message. Praise God for God looking upon us with, with eyes of mercy. God wants to instruct us. He wants to warn us. He wants to speak to us. He'll allow the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and tell her, look, you're headed in this direction. Hebrews 10.29 says, if you insult, if you tell off, if you stand stern, how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy of a man who tramples the Son of God underfoot, counting the blood of the covenant which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted, insulted the spirit of grace. Like, like God is putting up with us. And he's putting up with us. And he's putting up with us. What, what do you think the consequences of a man, of a woman, of a person that continues to play with the things of God? I want to tell you that when we follow Christ, everything changes. It's a sick day of despair and hopelessness. When we're floating in the fantasy of it doesn't matter what you do, there's no sense of right or wrong or reality. It doesn't matter the words I speak. It doesn't matter what I do, good or bad. God loves me anyway. All is the same. All churches are the same. All pastors are the same. All teachers are the same. It doesn't matter who I listen to, who I don't listen to. You're living a fantasy. You're living a fantasy. 
We could start singing, it's a small world after all. You are going to go off Niagara Falls, my friend, singing your song. Jesus was powerful enough to say in Matthew 12, 30, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather is scattering. He who is not lined up with what I'm doing is not a part of what I'm doing. He's lost in lies. He's headed for destruction. Listen to me. We've become experts now understanding these matters. We didn't at the beginning. I have seen this now for so long, how people try and try to trample and blur the lines into the foggy mist of non-clarity. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what God wants me to do. Listen to how they have twisted the lines that some pastors have established a Saturday night worship service. Inviting his church to come and worship on Saturday night. You want to know why? Because on Sunday morning, the people don't want to wake up or they want to go to the beach. They want to go, they want to twist God in their fantasy. I went to church this week. No, my friend, you have despised the Lord's day. You shall keep it holy unto the Lord. You shall consecrate. You shall worship on the Lord's day, not on your convenient Saturday night so you could do whatever you want with Sunday. You're not to live that fantasy. And all the more it's happening. Listen, I have no problem with church on Saturday night. I think we should have church every day of the week, but you better serve the Lord on Sunday. You better keep it holy. It's His day. The consequences of not honoring the Lord on the Sabbath. It says those people who have done the math have says for every day that these people did not go to church, those 400 years in Egypt, for every day, for every Sunday, those 400 years, God kept them one full year in the desert, 40 years in the desert. You want to be in a desert for the next 40 years? You want to play around with God's math? I don't. I don't. So we end up not even knowing who we serve or how we serve him. So I want to share this verse with you in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians. I need to go find this. Powerful verse. 2 Corinthians 11.4. 2 Corinthians 11.4. Paul says, be careful. Paul, be careful for What? That you do not begin to listen to another gospel. Be careful that you have not bought on another spirit. Be careful that another Christ has not been the one that's been. Listen to 2 Corinthians 11.4. For, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus. Another translation says a different Jesus. How many have heard about that different Jesus? You do whatever you want. He doesn't care. He, he, he loves you so much. Oh, you could do whatever you want. See, that's not the Jesus I know. That's not the Jesus that was presented to me. The Jesus that presented to me takes the things of God super serious. He's not living no fantasy world. It's not a small world for him. It's not fantasy island. They're not greeting you with great joys of your destruction. He says, be careful if someone comes preaching another Jesus that we have not preached. If somebody comes and gives you, or if you receive a different spirit, which is not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is jealous for you. He's not going to share you. You belong to him. He's not going to, it says, or a different gospel. 
which you have not accepted. But you guys run with these. You may well put up with it. You'll take off with a different Jesus, with a different spirit, and a different message than the one we're supposed to get. So what do we see in the scriptures about the different Jesus? I see a Jesus who walked into the temple, and you know what he did? He said like this. He says, he, he came out and out. He says, do me a favor. Get out of here. Come on. Get out of here. Get out of here. What are you doing here? Get out of my house. What are you doing here? Get out of my house. This is the Jesus that I know in the Bible. Get, get out of here. What are you doing here? Get out. Don't make my father's house a den of thieves. What do you think you're doing? Jonathan, get out of here. See, this is too intense. Gil, get out of here. You guys don't leave. This is just an illustration. <laughs> Listen, this is the Jesus of the Bible. He's intensely in this place. You guys can come back. So I'm not done yet. Thanks for offering yourselves. Some people are going, oh, my God. This is the Jesus of the Bible. I don't know what Bible you're reading. The Bible says in John's, uh, that's not, not, well, let's back up one here. He says he stood there before his own family and says, listen, you are not my family. My family are those that do the will of my Father in heaven. Disconnect. He, he drew a line in the sand. He says, no more fantasy here. If you honor my father, you're my brother. If you honor the God in heaven, you're my family. My brother, my sister, my mother are those who do the will of God in heaven. Don't want to be related to anybody else. The sons of God are those that are led by the Spirit of God. He says like this in John chapter 6. If you don't eat my blood, and drink my blood, and eat my flesh, you're not worthy to follow me. John 6, 66, the saddest verse in the Bible. From that time on, many of his followers made a decision to abandon him. You can always remember that verse because it's John 6, 66. It's a satanic <laughs> reminder. From that time on, many of his disciples walked with him no more. It should not surprise us, listen to me well, that those that are not taking the things of God serious, those that do not love truth, those that do not want to honor and present themselves before God in a manner worthy of God, that they're not in this place. Shouldn't surprise us. And then finally, we have those three illustrations. One, he cleared the temple. Two, he set the order in his family. And three, even his friends had to pay a price where they were going to honor him or not honor him. Don't call yourself a friend of God if you love the world. Do not call yourself a friend of God if you hang out having a great time with sinners. That's not the Jesus. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he'll be the same when you stand before him on his throne. A lot of people are playing games. A lot of people are playing fantasy. Jesus Christ is the same. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. It's the Spirit of God. We haven't received a different Jesus. This Jesus for us has become tangible. Look, if at one time Jesus was just a philosophical religious instruction for our lives, that time has gone and well. We have touched the majesty. 
We have walked with him. We have heard him breathe. We have heard his heartbeat. We walk in a tangible reality of who Christ is and what he expects. I cannot stand to see a preacher saying everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That pastor who told me that the devil's not so bad and Jesus is not so good and everything's not so perfect, the destruction that came upon his life, he's still licking his wounds. He lost his marriage. He lost his family. He lost his ministry. He's a wanderer, and he's in the desert, in a desolate wilderness, far from the fruitfulness of God because he decided to live a fantasy of no accountability. A different, he says, not only a different um, Jesus, but a different spirit. I have people all the time come up to me and say, so Pastor, the Spirit told me. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits. You know how you test the spirit? You go over to a man who loves the Spirit of God, and you tell him, this is what's going on in my life. What do you think? If he tells you, run, forest, run, you better run. If he tells you things are not going to be well with you, you better count on it. You better bank it. Test the spirits because many false prophets have gone out to the world. They're living in another world that's not the, the spirit of our God. John 16 verse 8 says, when he has come, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. He will tell you what's right. He will tell you what's wrong. He will tell you how to make it right. I love this verse. He says, when the spirit of God comes... He will convict the world of sin. He'll say, that is wrong. He will convict the world of righteousness. That is right. And then he will convict the world of judgment. This is how you make the wrong right. Come over here. This is the spirit of God. He's not going to give you a stamp of approval to keep on fornicating, being an idolater, being a pagan, being a worshiper, being rebellious, being disobedient, being selfish. That's not the spirit of God. It's not the spirit of God. The Spirit of God allows you to cry, Abba, Father, I want somebody to correct me. I want someone to discipline me. I want somebody to show me the way, the truth, and the life. That's the Spirit of God. Spirit that's upon me this morning. Spirit of truth. Spirit of righteousness. That's the Spirit of God. It's a powerful spirit. Verse 13, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you to everything true. He's not going to speak as an opinion. Whatever he hears God, that is what he will speak. People don't want to hear. Don't get, don't get surprised when people tune you out. Don't get surprised. They're not interested in truth. They don't love truth. They're not seeking wisdom. They're listening to the devil. What God said, you remember what, God, what the devil said in the beginning? Hey, Eve, what God says is not true. You, you shall surely die if you eat, if you disobey. If you rebel, everything will be okay. Your eyes will be open. It will get brighter for you. Isn't that a lie from hell? Isn't that destruction? Genesis 3, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you rebel, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. You'll do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. Isn't that awful that some men, some women, decide to practice the world-changing fantasy? Hebrews 12, 25 says, Be careful you do not refuse to listen to the one who's speaking. Because if on earth those who refused to listen to Moses did not escape, how will you escape when the one who is speaking is the God of heaven?
Hebrews 2.2 says the message brought by the angels to the city of Sodom said, Get out of the city because destruction is coming. Those who did not listen received the full punishment of what was warned. How shall we escape if we, verse 3, ignore this great salvation God has given us, first announced by the Lord and now was confirmed to us by those who heard him? I want to encourage you this morning as we finish So we finish, we go back to the heart of God and continue in reality. We continue in Christ and the things we have learned. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 that these men, verse 7, that are in the last days that decide that they're going to be bent on lost, bent on lies, bent on death, it says it doesn't matter how many times you teach them, they do not want to learn. Always learning. Never able to embrace, love the truth of God. They're no wiser. They're no more obedient. They're no more faithful. They do not honor. Let's stand. God, pull us out of this fantasy. Pull us out of not taking your things serious. Bring us to Christ. Bring us to the plans that you have for us. Listen very well, guys. From before the foundations of the earth, God has prepared good works for you to walk in. Why can't you be faithful? Why do you believe Satan? Why do you believe the distractions of this world? Why don't you honor God? Because he says, I honor those who honor me. I bless those who love truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.2 says, Because they did not have love for the truth, God just gave them over to their deception. The worst thing about being given over to your deception is that you will want people to wake you up out of your nightmare, except it won't be a nightmare, my friend. It's not going to be a nightmare. It's going to be your reality. And the Bible says why. Because you did not have an appetite. You did not have an acquired taste for truth. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 10. With all, this is in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to all the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. With all unrighteous fantasy, deception. Amongst those who are being perishing because they did not receive the love of the truth that they, through that love of truth, might be saved. For this reason, verse 11, God will send on them strong fantasy, strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but rejoiced, celebrated, and had pleasure in the things that were not right. You have friends that tell you, ah, this is not right. This is not wrong. Don't worry about it. Oh, this is not too bad. Listen to me. It's bad, it's wrong, and it's really wrong. Tell God to mark your heart, to circumcise you to love truth, to want to know wisdom, to embrace obedience. When you hear a man of God speak into your life, listen to me. I don't know why. It's just special. But when a man of God speaks in my life, I hear God. When a man of God speaks into my life, I don't see a man. I can say he's not educated. He comes from a foreign country. He, he didn't have a family. He's not well known. Listen to me. When a man of God speaks, have an ear. 
for truth. Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness to speak to us. Some of us, it'll be the last time you speak to. Some of us, it'll be the last time. Father, I pray that you would have mercy. Father, I pray that this word would be an encouragement to those who wake out, wake up out of their fantasy land, who wake up out of the lost lies of death when you have come to offer the way, the truth, and the life. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your truth. We want to love wisdom more than gold and silver. You told us to seek it more than the precious things of this world. For it will adorn you with honor. It will be a necklace about your neck, keeping you in the way of prosperity. Through your wisdom, you built all things, and all things came to pass. Fill us with your wisdom and your truth. Fill us with the fear of God. Fill us with obedience to deny ourselves, O oh God. We give you thanks this morning for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're here this morning and you have not received Jesus Christ, I want to tell you this is a good day you've come to the house of the Lord. Just raise your hand right there, and I'm going to pray with you. You just raise your hand. Say this prayer with me. Father God, I give you thanks that you sent Jesus to this earth to die on the cross and to shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sin. Today I receive Jesus Christ. Say it out loud. Today I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know that he died, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Lord, write my name down in the Lamb's book of life, where all the names are written of those that you will save and redeem. And I give you thanks for this word in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.